Welcome back to the Resilience Key Podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 3. My name is Steph Corbell, and I'm your host. If you're looking for real-world advice on real-world situations, you are in the right place today. Welcome. I'm glad you're here, and thank you so much for listening. If you like what you hear today, be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss out on my future episodes. In this season, I'm releasing a new episode every other Friday morning. Now, if you've listened to previous episodes this season, you'll know that I'm featuring a story from my career as a tattoo artist and tattoo studio owner as the topic of each week's episode. This week, I'm skipping the introduction. I'm jumping right into the story of the week, which is honestly one of the most painful client experiences I've ever had in my now 16-year career as a tattooist. So this happened about eight or nine years ago. I was working at your typical street-style shop in New England, and this was the kind of tattoo studio where we catered to walk-in clientele rather than booking way out in advance. I only worked at this particular shop for a couple of years, as it was definitely a bit of a rough environment, but let me tell you, it was one hell of a learning experience, and it really taught me to think on my feet, both as an artist and simply as a service industry professional. We literally encountered everyone from every single walk of life at this shop, from heroin addicts with track marks on their arms to strippers who had the propensity to simply walk around half naked in front of our big main street facing windows to your average wholesome middle-aged moms. It was, it was absolutely wild. On one particular day, a coworker in my studio asked if I and two of the other artists working there would be willing to tattoo a woman she knew from her yoga studio along with this woman's kids and her father. My coworker was gonna be out of town for a yoga-related event and she wasn't available, but she really wanted to accommodate this particular woman. We were told these folks wanted to come in for a memorial tattoo for the woman's husband who had just passed unexpectedly. And I thought, sure, no problem, this is a common request at a tattoo shop. And often for memorial tattoos, a whole family will come together to get matching pieces. So it takes a little bit of coordination and pre-planning with the shop artists to accommodate everyone at the same time. And it can be a really moving experience as well to be part of this mourning ritual with a family in this way. So, of course, I said yes, along with my two other co-workers at the studio. On the day of the appointment, the family shows up. It was the wife, her dad, and her two kids, one of whom was underage. And the vibe that they had was not at all what I expected. First off. The family was not what you would expect for folks in mourning. Now, usually people in this situation, they're subdued, they're emotional. Sometimes people are crying, that sort of thing. It's generally a mellow experience, and we try to keep it super chill as the artists for clients getting these kinds of tattoos out of respect for what they're going through. But no, this family was, I I just don't even know how to say it other than they were almost downright hostile toward us, just right off the bat from the moment that they even walked in the door. First off, the dad, this guy probably in his mid-60s, he asked my coworker in an aggressive tone, hey, so how often do you actually come to work sober? We were like, what? All of my coworkers in this space were very professional. We never came to work under any sort of influence other than the occasional strong iced coffee from Duncan's across the street. Then when we had to explain that it was illegal in our city to tattoo the underaged daughter, the mom literally started yelling at us and we were all just, I don't know, we were completely taken aback. Legally, we we weren't permitted to tattoo anyone under the age of 18, even with parental consent. And so we explained to her that she could go to Connecticut instead for that, which was only about a 30-minute drive away. And that did not appease her, and she continued to just yell at us. 
So talk about a crazy start to a tattoo session. We were already pretty shocked, but then even more starts to come out about this whole situation and their backstory. Looking at the family, you would never guess that all of what I'm going to tell you was the background. They were very wealthy, well-to-do folks. The dad of the widow was a surgeon. The widow was a wealthy stay-at-home mom and yoga enthusiast. Everyone looked great. They were healthy. They had all the appearances of wealth and privilege. But the way that they spoke, not only to us, but to each other, was truly ugly, cruel, and rude. It was some of the worst language that I'd ever heard exchanged between family members. What was the most intense, though, was the story behind the death of the woman's husband, the reason for the memorial tattoos in the first place. As it turned out, the woman, the mom in the family, she had been having an affair with another man. And when the husband found out, apparently he caught them in bed together, he shot the other man, wounding him, and then he killed himself by shooting himself in the head. And just a couple weeks after all this happens, the mom shows up with her kids and her surgeon dad, who we started calling Dr. Grandpa because he literally wouldn't stop telling us about how he was a surgeon. They show up in our tattoo studio, making this crazy scene, screaming at us on a Saturday afternoon. It was such a bad situation that one of my coworkers, who was literally the biggest dude in the studio, this leather vest wearing biker guy, he walked out saying, I just can't handle this. So I ended up getting the dubious honor of tattooing Dr. Grandpa that day, who proceeded to hit on me while I was tattooing him in not an exactly subtle manner. And in short, the whole day was a nightmare. Now, look, this is not some sort of gossip podcast. I've, I've changed a few details to keep this somewhat anonymous, and I'm not naming names, but there is a point to this story. And that's the topic for today's episode. You literally can't tell by looking at people what they're actually like. And frequently, you can look at someone outwardly at their appearance, their big bank balance, their fancy job, and you think, wow, they've really got it together. And then you end up comparing yourself and maybe think negatively about yourself. Oh, they're up here and I'm just down here. I'm such a mess. I'm a failure. Anyone ever do that? I know I have in the past. We all have that tendency. But here's the secret. A lot of people, they're just really good at putting on a show. You can have all the trappings of wealth and accomplishments and still be a mess on a personal level, just like this family clearly was. And if there's anything I've learned through 16 years of tattooing, it's that everyone has baggage. It's that everyone has issues, and it's that you simply can't assume anything about anyone. Sometimes it's the people who appear on the surface to be the biggest messes that are actually the most together on a psychological level. You literally can't tell. And because of this, you can't compare yourself to other people based on those outward experiences. Comparison truly is a source of stress. It's a way to beat ourselves up and hold ourselves back. If we really want to move forward in our own lives, it's best that we remove these points of comparison and do what I've said in prior episodes of this podcast. We all need to learn how to run our own race. We progress at the pace that's right for us in our own way. And while it's okay to look at others' successes as a potential model for our path, we can't put folks on a pedestal and feel bad about ourselves if we feel like we aren't measuring up. So what can we do instead? One, connect with people close to us who feel safe and be honest about where we are in our own personal journeys. I talk regularly to a dear friend of mine with whom I have a ton in common. We got married around the same time and divorced around the same time for very similar reasons. Now we're both in good, solid relationships. I know, though, for me, going through a bad divorce, I ended up with some pretty major issues, especially centering around trust. 
and I have a bit of a tendency to get paranoid from time to time, wondering if the other proverbial shoe is about to drop, even though I have zero evidence of that happening. And my good friend, she's the same way. By talking openly about these experiences, we're able to relate to each other and reassure each other. We don't feel crazy because we know we're not alone. Now, too often, most of us try to put on a show that we're okay, even when we're not. And sure, at work, I get it, it's a survival thing, you need to do that. But around close, trusted friends, be honest with them. Ask for help if you need it. Chances are someone close to you is likely going to be able to relate. You're likely going to hear a me too when you admit that you feel like you're a mess. You're going to realize that you're not unique in your struggles. That truly is priceless. We all have baggage and issues, but I believe we need to be more open and honest about what we go through with those closest to us. Two, stop judging yourself if you feel like you're not living up to comparisons to others. How do we judge ourselves? Take a listen to your inner dialogue sometime. Is it empowering or is it just ugly? Take note of what you say to yourself, write it down, and then ask yourself, if a close friend of mine or relative was going through what I've gone through, would I say this to their face? If the answer is no, that would hurt their feelings, then why in the world are you saying it to yourself? Think about that. So often, our inner dialogue can be so ugly and even abusive. We all need to learn how to be kinder to ourselves, if you ask me. And while, yes, we can challenge ourselves to achieve, we shouldn't be talking down to ourselves by not living up to some arbitrary standard of comparison to others. Three, instead of comparing yourself to other people in terms of what they have that you don't have, take a look at yourself and look at how far you've come in your own life. What progress have you made? Celebrate that. I know for me, financial issues, that's my Achilles heel. I can really get down on myself because I think that I don't have enough money saved for retirement, for example, especially in comparison to other people. But then I have to take a look at my circumstances. I've switched careers more than once. I went through an ugly divorce that incurred a lot of legal debt and from which I emerged with a ton of credit card debt that I eventually paid off. I've opened not one but two businesses within the past eight years. And when I look at those circumstances, I can see that I've actually done a lot for myself. And then the people that I've compared my bank balance to may not have had those same kinds of challenges. It's all very individual, your journey. Celebrate how far you've come and stop comparing yourself to others who you think have gone farther than you. There's nothing much more toxic and damaging than trying to live up to our perception of other people. Run your own race. Be you. Celebrate your journey and do it your way. Almost everyone has some secret trauma lurking below the surface. You're not alone. I believe in you. You are beyond capable of living to your potential without being burdened by the weight of self-imposed expectations. That's it for this week. I hope you found this helpful. If you did, like, comment, share, you know what to do. You can also reach out to me on my website at stephcorbell.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-L-L. Or on any of my social media channels. I'm pretty much on all of them. And those are linked in the show notes today. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back in two weeks with another new episode. And until then, remember that you're more resilient than you realize and you're stronger than you know. 